Hello and welcome to the opening first episode of Everything Doesn't Suck. My name is Matt and my co-host and co-creator is... Eddie. And uh, we're thrilled to have you here. Um, This is something that we've thought about doing for some time. As you will learn, brevity is not my strong point, but it is Eddie's. So, um, Eddie, why don't you talk a little bit about what this is that we're trying to do? So... We're trying in a way to counterbalance or counterpoint some of the negativity that we find in YouTube reviews of popular shows that we enjoy or movies that we enjoy. I think what specifically led us to do this was the heavy criticism of Loki, which I personally really enjoyed. And I mostly enjoyed. (laughs) And, you know, we totally get it that if we were making our livelihood off doing YouTube reviews, we would find out what got us the most views and we would do it. And I think that that's what drives a lot of the negativity is seeking to get views. But since we have awesome day jobs, we don't really need to do that and we can just say what we think. And what we think is fair and what we think is balanced. And I mean, I think we try to work, we're not going to be a new show, uh, but as you've said, we're also not uh, doing hopefully the sex self sells thing that you know going negative gets views whereas sometimes an honest critique of all right and we're not going to try and defend the indefensible which loki borders on but okay we're getting ahead of ourselves (laughs) it is very defensible but we're not going to try and defend something like the decision to make the hobbit into three painfully long (laughs) movies or the declining quality of the star wars movies uh reaching its you know hopefully bottom point in um the what rise of called? skywalker <laughs> yeah. that that uh, that forgettable piece so okay so there it is and 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 i agree with it um or i wouldn't be sitting here with eddie for an extended period of time which is often difficult to do although i did bring beers so i should be a welcome guest and and, and so i did not know if we were going to to put that out there so you are a welcome guest you did bring beer um uh, others have done this, but if we have libations, uh, should we mention what we have and what we think of it? Sure, sure. And I mean, it's given us our test free. This beer was brewed in Baltimore. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, that has been absolutely our balancing uh, phrase for getting this started. This beer was brewed in Baltimore. Uh, and it is from Guinness and it's called Baltimore Blonde um, on a scale of one to 10. I'd give it a solid seven. Oh, I probably, this is actually, I have to admit, one of my favorites. Um, this w- would probably have to be an eight, eight and a half on, on mine. All right. So there, there we Enjoy. go. Enjoy. I'm glad I brought it. Uh, I wish you had brought two or four, I guess, <laughs> depending on how you want to look at it. All right. So um, I guess another quick introductory or, or housekeeping piece. Um, we're going to try to cover the entirety of all six episodes of The Good and the Bad the defensible and indefensible of Loki in this episode. We're not going to try to draw this out really any further than it need be. Right, and we're not going to analyze it point by point, uh, but rather we're going to try and explain what the important issues in it were and why we think that decisions that were made in the storytelling were good or bad. Yeah, so I guess also in kind of tipping my hand beforehand. Tipping, can, can you Pre-tipping? Say? Pre-tipping. Actually, if you want to talk about tipping, uh, a tip was to ensure performance. It was something you did before your service, not something you did after. Hmm. 
But anyways, I get away from myself. Um, I My point would have been uh, until almost the very last that Loki was indefensible. That the some of the critique, a lot of the critique that I have seen and heard, I actually agreed with. And then at the end, something happened that changed that. Now, I think there are other things in it that were good. Eddie, your point is? I think that Loki was very well done and that a lot of the criticisms of it are either due to having missed a major point of the series or being um, obsessed with a critique of where the MCU is going. Okay. Uh, All right. And those will certainly be the themes that we talk about. So we wait, we hear, we've got Tom Hiddleston, a lot of hype. Show opens. I'll go first. Show opens and... We have known Loki as the god of mischief and largely very powerful. Nobody stops Loki. Nobody stops Thor. From the cinematic universe, anyone who's from Asgard is pretty much a badass. Show opens. We have Loki. We see the transition from the MCU. He has the Tesseract. He goes through and he ends up in the Gobi Desert. He finds people. He immediately starts what he always does until the time cops show up. And Loki gets the snot smacked out of his jaw. And we've gone from a godlike figure to somebody's face we're watching doing blubber. That's tough. Well, I'd like to point out that actually when we first see Loki in this, he is in handcuffs. And we know for a fact that he has just had his ass kicked by what he describes as a dull green monster. Right? So Loki in the MCU at that point, was not all-powerful. He certainly thought that he was. He thought he was this godlike creature destined to rule over the Earth. But he's really just gotten his comeuppance in a big way. And let's not forget that, because Loki is actually kind of at a low point right then and there. It's going to get lower for him, but he was at a low point. And then, okay, let's not bounce around the beginning, but you know, quickly turned around by the Tesseract sliding to his feet and... He's gone. He's out of there. Low point, high point, low point. All right. So the entire first episode basically is Loki being captured and being processed. And spending a lot of time, what do you, what would you call it? You, know, you might call it backstory. Perhaps. I think really it's setting the table for how we're going to see Loki grow and change in this series. Right? He is being... Just like Thor in Ragnarok, he is being stripped of the things that made him seem all-powerful and almighty. And he's going to have to start down at the bottom again and make his way back up. And hopefully be a better being for doing it. And, And that, I think, is one of the redeeming points. It took them really until the very last moment to get to it. But I do think... One of the things about Loki that is redeeming and good, though long in coming, was there is an arc here. There is something about him growing and changing. But boy, it took too long to get there. And we also know in the MCU, anything that is good in the MCU, any story that is good, has one or more of three things. Number one, a deeply flawed hero. Mm -hmm. And... The exception to that is, of course, anything involving Steve Rogers, who's always the exception. Yes. Number two, an engaging villain. 
And maybe it wasn't clear in the beginning if Loki was going to be a hero or a villain, but certainly having an engaging villain is helpful. And third is Rocket Raccoon, who was not available for this series. <laughs> All right. Over time, you will become familiar with his obsession with Rocket Raccoon. And we'll ask the audience a question someday. See what you guys come up with. Um, so where do we go from here? Loki as hero or villain. Does he have to be either? No. And in the best cases, it's often hard to tell which one a character is. Yes. Right? I, I mean, I think Loki's in it for himself. Loki is in it for himself, which doesn't mean he can't be a hero. It doesn't mean he can't act heroically. It doesn't mean he can't do the right thing. But he is, for much of it, out for himself. For much of it, out for himself. No, go ahead. I think the other thing is the engaging hero question. So, in my mind, one of the weakest of the Marvel movies was Captain Marvel. And I think the problem with that <laughs> is that they decided to make Captain Marvel based on the comics or and wherever they were going, this incredibly powerful being who can overcome any obstacle. Mm -hmm. And that's just not interesting or engaging. Nope. And that's why taking Loki down a few pegs, having him end up being the prisoner of these, you know, jackbooted fascist thugs makes him more engaging and makes him more interesting. Uh, okay. I, I, I will actually agree with that. I will also... I. If you can divorce yourself, suspend disbelief, which is what we're supposed to do with these pieces of entertainment, then I will agree that having him be flawed, be hurt, makes him more interesting than he was perhaps in the MCU cinematic universe. And also gives him a chance to grow. And if we're going to spend close to six hours with this guy over the next few weeks, we're really going to have to develop him in some way. Yes, but while everything doesn't suck, I will say they took a lot of time deconstructing him before we started to build him up. And that's fair. Okay, you see, there we go. So, um, Loki is hero, Loki is villain, we don't know. Uh, we, we go through this whole process uh, where he is introduced to, uh, I always get his name wrong, Owen uh, uh, Mobius. 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 Why, why can't I remember that? Right. Although we'll just call him Owen Wilson because he's just playing Owen Wilson. It, it isn't that the... But if you were Owen Wilson, wouldn't you just play... There's, there's really no reason to be anyone else. Yes. You can't see this, but of course I'm wearing my shirt that says... For all time, always. There we go. Oh, uh, one of Owen's catchphrases. Um, what is Owen's point in this? What is, what is Mobius's point in this? I think Mobius's point is to give the jackbooted fascist thugs a human face and one who you can sympathize with. As we're going to learn as the series goes on, spoil alerts, hopefully you've watched the series already, the members of the Time Variance Authority are not just you know, these cops who are trying to squash all opposition. They are actually real people who have been removed from their timelines apparently have had their memories wiped and then are sent out to enforce this same thing on others. So there's a good human element to him. And it also gives us a little bit of a buddy cop thing mm. between uh, between the two of them, which is always easy to play. It is. Um, 
you, you've drawn uh, a corollary between Captain Marvel, and, and every time you say that, I think Captain America, and I want to jump down your throat, because I think Captain America was a great movie. Uh, but Captain Marvel, I agree. I call it the Ray Syndrome. Somebody just so powerful that they become uninteresting. Um, in Star Wars, uh, there was the plot line with Finn and the, the woman, the girl, I can't remember her name. Largely, you could take that whole thing out of Star Wars and it doesn't matter. Could you take Mobius out? And it doesn't matter. So, in other words, he is just a prisoner of the TVA without a particular individual who he interacts with. Is that your is that your question? That he interacts and he does things and he does move some part of the story along, but were they major and needed? And could you literally have done without all of it and still gotten to where we were? You could have gotten there, but I think you would have lost something that in the end was worthwhile in the show, which was this idea that the TVA, which seems, again, to be all-powerful, is really built on a house of cards. And that house of cards is that the worker bees can't remember the truth. Yes. And that when the truth is revealed to them, suddenly what they're doing becomes very questionable and maybe they don't want to do it anymore and as society goes so does theater maybe some of them do all right episode one we've captured him we've deconstructed him we've we're figuring out that there's another variant we need to do something episode two leads me to my biggest problem with all of it which really comes at the end of episode two which is we stop talking about loki as tom hiddleston and we start talking and following everybody, Loki included, Sylvie. Was that, what did we miss there? Because you and I have talked about this and I've actually come to your way of thinking. We've missed something here. Right. I think the criticism that too much of the action was driven by Sylvie mm-hmm. and not enough by, what should we call him? Because there are multiple versions of Loki in this show. We'll call him Tom Loki for Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> okay not driven by Tom Loki, is misguided. Sylvie, just like classic Loki, bragging Loki, kid Loki, are all Lokis, or if you prefer, Loki, from the from the multiverse. Each and every one of them is a version of the god of mischief. Mm-hmm. And so the show was called Loki, It didn't mean necessarily that the focus would be for the entire time on Tom Hiddleston's Loki. The focus was on a Loki or Lokis or Loki. Or Loki. And that's where the story took us. So I think that that's really a misguided criticism. It depends on perhaps the perception of the viewer. And if you went in thinking to yourself, I'm going to watch a series that's going to follow Tom Hiddleston playing Loki, then maybe you were disappointed in the way it turned. But I think that that's more on you than on the writers of the show who did not promise you that. Nope. And who I think delivered a really good story by taking it beyond one character and showing us how multiple versions of Loki in this multiverse ended up dealing with the fact that they were variants and how that led them to different places and different ends. And different ends. And, and that is a point that I started to lose. And then as you brought it forward, 
I have to admit, it didn't suck. It wasn't about it wasn't about Tom Hiddleston, and it wasn't a misuse of Tom Hiddleston. It was about Loki, and all of a sudden, as as we've talked about this before, as I think about the opening credits with Loki spelled out in so many different fonts in so many different ways, still being Loki, it was a point that I have to admit I. I hear my wife talk about Tom Hiddleston all the time, so I was ready to sit down and watch Tom Hiddleston. And and it was a point I missed. The show was about Loki. I came with a misconception or or uh, a, a wide enough mind. Loki's Loki. Okay, so I can accept this. I'm okay. Some Lokis are better. Loki, Lokis, Lokas. <laughs> I like Loki. I like, I do too. I, I mean, so if it's, Octopus and octopi, puss, loci, so it ends up, so it'd be Loki and loci. We'll use the Italian versions. Uh, lo- Loki's, I, Loki's. All right, Loki's all right. Is- all right. So, so for the for the sake of the yin and yang of this, you may be loci, and I will be Loki's. Okay, and I think an important point is this is really the first time in the MCU that we are really exploring the multiverse. It's an idea that is out there, but this really explored it more than we've seen in the past. And anyone who's watched the trailers for Spider-Man No Way Home knows that we're going to see multiple versions of Spider-Man in that movie. So I really feel that, you know, thinking about it that way, it doesn't really matter if it's one individual Loki or a different individual Loki or we're following their stories together. That's really where the focus was. I'll half buy it. I mean, Doctor Strange went through all the permutations, combinations of multiverses to find the best multiverse to find to go with to mm-hmm. to the action to take. So the 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 concept of a multiverse has played uh, has played a deep role. Perhaps your point is that it was a cinematic. Uh, uh, mechanism as opposed to a theme that we've explored and this is our chance to explore the theme of a, of a exactly. multiverse. Exactly. We're actually going to make the presence or existence of a multiverse the main focus of the show. And and put a pin there. The main focus of a show because there were rumors that this was supposed to be a limited series. That this was supposed to be just these six episodes. Now there's going to be a season two which is where I think some of the redemption lies. Because we didn't explore it very well if it was just to be season one. Right. I I think the series stands on its own. If it is a bridge to something more that they're going to continue to explore following one or more loci, I think that's great. But I think it did a good job on its own. Okay. Okay. I'm mostly there. So the plot moves forward. We have Sylvie... We have Sylvie, Loki, we have Locus, Locus, what did I say? Locus. We have multiple Locus. We have Sylvie, we have Tom Hiddleston, Tom Loki, we have their developing relationship. Um, How do you recast falling in love with yourself and a multiverse? How does that that play because it was something if you look at it as I'm disappointed in or following Sylvie and see Sylvie is a different person then it's kind of weird. But if you, maybe not as weird as I'm about, what I'm about to say, if they are the same person and then, I mean, what does this change mean? If we look at it, they're all Loki. Right. 
I think it's a sign, as I believe Mobius says, that Loki is an egomaniac. Uh, he is so obsessed with himself and his glorious purpose and how awesome he is that really the only creature in the multiverse he could fall in love with is another version of himself. Okay. I'll, all right. I will buy it. And and this is going to bring us, I think, and we can take the step right now, to another, I believe, misplaced criticism okay. of Loki, the series, which is that when the two Lokis recognize their feelings for each other, it creates this incredible variance from the timeline. Right. But as you and I were re-watching, you realize something. I did. So if you go back and you look at the episode, if you don't look closely, which I didn't, I didn't, um, the variance starts to happen not when they realize their feelings for each other, but rather as Tom Loki tells Sylvie, your power, your ability was really to defy the TVA and to get away from them. And as Locuses, Loki, Lokis, Locusts, start to realize their power, that's what creates the variance, not the exactly egomaniac. Right. It wasn't the self-love moment necessarily. It was in a way. It wasn't a romantic self-love moment. It was Tom Loki's realization that the the Loki have the ability to defy and take on the, the TVA. TVA, which to this point has been the ultimate power in the universe. All right, so what, what's another piece that I commented on that others have commented on and, and does it play to anything in particular? And that is uh, clearly Sylvie is more together than Loki. She is more, more, she's figured out something he didn't. She seems to be more physically dangerous, so forth and so on. He seems to follow her around is this playing into a common theme in Hollywood of female empowered people as opposed to just another empowered character? Is there a plus or a minus, a good or a bad, in making Sylvie female? Well, those are, in a way, two different questions. Um, I would point out that as we watch the show, Sylvie has spent decades hiding hiding at the end of the invading the tva at the end of the universe tom loki is a day into this Mm. so it would be perfectly (laughs) normal and natural for him to, to to follow her to take her lead and yes she figured out that she could hide in these end of world events and the tva has been trying to figure out where she was hiding It took Loki, Tom Loki, very little time to figure it out. Their brains work in a similar way. So I think that that criticism is unfair. The criticism that Sylvie is too powerful or overly powerful. Or that he is following her lead to suggest that that is because they have to have a theme that the male character must follow the female character. It would make no sense if the Loki that is brand new to this is like, okay, I'm in charge. You're going to follow me. We're going to carry out my plan because at this point he is still learning. Okay. And, and actually 
a couple of times along the way when his special skills are very helpful, he uses them to great effect. So I don't see that. Yeah, I don't see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm angry at you. You, you held that. You didn't tell me about that. That was a new point. And That's okay, it just came to me. Uh, well, then I need to tip my cap. That is that point of she spent a lifetime hiding at the end of the universe, and he's been there for a day, and he figured that out in a day. Uh, it, it kind of brings some balance to the the power structure, the arc, the the abilities of Loki. Loki is Loki. And thank you for not saying the force. I, um, I you know. Oh, I did almost walk into that, didn't I? But the other the other criticism of that theory is the choices that they make when confronted with do we have to call him he who remains kang whatever we want to mm-hmm. call him the choices they make at that moment right sylvie acts out of anger mm-hmm. right she wants revenge, revenge yeah not anger revenge hatred and you've ruined my life right and tom loki wants to take the high road or as close to Loki gets to taking the high road, he at least wants to think about the consequences of their actions. To keep his options. I'm not sure he wants to do the right thing as much as he wants to have an option. Right. So if your criticism is that the series is written to elevate her and denigrate him, the choices that they make in that last scene doesn't fit. And I, I think it really fits what the writers were trying to do. They were, they're both Loki, but each one of them has its own backstory now, right? From They have a different way that they got here. And that's going to enable them, even though they're both Lokis, to make different choices. No, absolutely. Uh, at one point, we can have a conversation about nature versus nurture, right? We have the same nature. Now we're going to compare nurtures. But right. Conversation for another day. So another point that has come up that I wonder if is unnecessary, but I will ask you. On the train, they are talking about what to do in their lives and their past and everything. And Sylvie asks Loki, surely there has been someone in the past. And and he seems to denote there have been people of both genders that he has been involved with. Nothing wrong with it. I don't say that as a throwaway, but I will ask the question, was it necessary for the story? It was not, I don't think, necessary for the story that we're being told till now. Is it something that will come up later? I certainly think that that is possible. And that's something that the MCU has done before, where they have seeded something to see it bear fruit way down the line. So I don't know. It is my hope that that it is exactly that, that it is a seed that is planted for something to come in the future, because if it is just a throwaway line, then it's just a throwaway and it's insulting to whatever you want to choose. So that's the one point that we have to wait for season two, um, but we will see. And I, I think it also fits with there's a certain fluidity to his character. There is. Um, And that's something that we have seen in the past in different ways, the way that he can change appearances, Mm -hmm. um, for instance, right? I I was just going to go there. Go ahead. Right. So not 
you know, not something I would have been surprised about in the way they're developing that character. And when you want to talk about a multiverse, in a way, it very well could have been a pun. That is possible. All right. Absolutely. So, we've talked about... Do we have to move past the railroad scene yet, though? No, not at all. Because I think that that is another moment which shows that the criticism that Sylvie is the better character, better version of Loki than Tom Loki is wrong. And that is displayed in the moments when Tom Loki is leading the people on this carriage in his song. There is a, in spite of his villainy, there is a joyousness to this character. And that's one of the things that makes him engaging, either as a hero or a villain. You know, he's not, he, he's, in, he's in this very precarious position. He's right. being hunted by the TVA. He is on a planet that is doomed for destruction within hours. And yet, he takes some time to enjoy himself and enjoy <laughs> his life for, you know, as much time as there is left. And that's a great thing in a character. It and is. It's not something that we ever see in Sylvie. I mean, she's sort of down. She's consumed. Right. Yes. She is consumed. And she is horrified at what he is doing. And it may not be smart, but come on. You're on the train at the end of your universe. <laughs> How about enjoying yourself for a couple of minutes? Uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, do you want to go out with a smile or, do right. you, you know, or uh, rending your gu- garments and pulling your hair? Yeah. I, I agree. There's, there's a, a god of mischief is supposed to be charming, and there was a, again, we can always, we never decide PG thirteen R. We can bleep it out later. Fuck it. It's the end of the world. Give me a beer, right? And and, and let's sing a let's sing a drinking song. Let's sing a drinking song, and and that is something that I can wholeheartedly get behind. So no, I I, I agree with you that there are differences about these characters. Um, at some point here, uh, I don't want to jump around too much, but who is the Loki who stole the show? Classic Loki. Classic Loki. I mean, that is just the classic it it fit the mold it in a way showed power it showed an arc in a matter of an episode an episode and a quarter that i think in a way told an entire story of a loki in a way that they haven't told in any of the other movies so right and th- that was a great little piece of storytelling just you know in there almost unnoticeable but almost unnoticeable in, but, in, a, in a go ahead but but really well told, and for a character who had very few lines, we really learned his story and respected and liked him for what he was doing, and moved the plot along and did something. And you know, so there was a character that was hyper paced in a series of six episodes, where I think some of it was a little bit draggy. And also, and I'll agree about something. Actually, I haven't heard this criticism, but if I do hear it, I would agree with it. You know, if you were going to create this thing that is gobbling up universes, <laughs> did it have to be the smoke monster from Lost? I, I mean, <laughs> that is, I have seen that one come up before. <coughs> yeah. you know, that is funny. I have to admit, that was a little, um, a, a little strange. Although, um, Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, right? Mm-hmm. So the smoke monster literally gave us that moment of to see. 
the man behind the curtain. Right. Um, so let's 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 talk. We've talked about multiverse. We've talked about Loki and and preconceptions coming in. We've talked about balance of power or skill and kind of address that. Hey, that might not have sucked either. Um, and now we get really towards kind of the end of our story, right? They have ended up in the uh, the the uh, what restaurant do you at the end of the universe? restaurant at the end of the universe. I, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Purgatory. I don't know. Uh, by the way, we haven't talked about this. I will take a moment and say the nod towards the Philadelphia experiment with the ship that came in and the fact that that's what that was. Just you know, if you didn't catch it, it was wonderful. I'll show you the links later. I'll drop a link in the comments. It's the first time we get to say that. Um, so we're ending up towards the end of our story. Again, a little herky-jerky about uh, Mobius is there. We haven't really talked about the TVA and, and, and that plot, but we end up at the restaurant at the end of the universe. We fight the smoke monster. We're kind of going to go right through all that, and we get through the smoke monster, and we get to really the end of the story the the the, the demo and the end of time and the end of time right kang is living at the end of time he does there's he can't see past it so as somebody who was not aware and to, to point out my foibles you knew that this character was kang if you haven't followed it as closely i was okay uh he who will remain is a little bit of a mouthful he who remains. Th- this is a little strange okay the ending and the character of He Who Remains Kang almost flippant. And because just, he's seen everything twice. He's seen it. <laughs> so he's really there to be a mirror and to cause the decision between Loki's of multiverses. Does rage win? Does vengeance win? Or do options or pause and take a moment so what what is tom hiddleston's choice what we know what we've said we believe sylvie is revenge i'm pissed my life was taken from me i'm killing you regardless what was loki's i don't know that we find that out for sure but kang presents them with a difficult choice right they can take over for him Mm -hmm. or they can kill him and it doesn't matter to him what they choose. Any way you look at it, he wins. Right? Yeah, okay. He wins because if he takes if Sylvie and Loki take it over, status quo continues, and what Kang, he who remains, believes is stability and peace, best of worst choices. If they kill him, then it's discord, chaos until he, he comes back, back again. Right. Rinse, wash, repeat. Now, wash, rinse, repeat. I think the key is he is offering them those two choices, which are stark choices. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that's true or right. Right. That's part of the problem of. And if that's why Sylvie kills. Yes. Then there's no more choice. There's no more choice. And so I don't know that we know what Tom Loki wants. But what he wants, I think, is time to think. Because he always sees an option. And that's something we've learned about him throughout the MCU. Mm -hmm. When the chips are down, when it looks like he's in an impossible position, he takes the risk. And he tries to find another choice, another pathway. Yes. And that's what he wanted to do in that moment in time. He finds another choice, another pathway, with the twist of it isn't altruism. 
It's survival. It's what's best for him. Here is where I found redemption in the show. Obviously, Sylvie makes a choice. It turns out that Kang, he who remains, wasn't bluffing. The sacred timeline comes to pieces. Uh, Loki ends up back in the library. I don't know quite what to call it. And now, now Loki isn't buying time. Loki is trying to warn people that there's somebody at the end of the universe and this is a real threat. And he isn't trying to save himself. He is now out to figure out how to fix or change or defend what has happened. So for me, in that last moment, last moments of the show, that's where I saw the Loki we know, the Loki I'm more comfortable with, actually take a huge step in terms of what their motivation was and what's going to happen next. That's why in the end... Right, and thus giving lie to the idea that this was not Tom Loki's journey. I'm right. Not... Tom Loki has grown. Yes, exactly. He has he has gone from thinking about himself and his place in the universe to considering the multiverse. And he has come back to Time Cop 1947, whatever her name is, uh, and Mobius and said, you know, we need to get our stuff together. There's something bigger than all right. of us. And he's not thinking about himself. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Or he's thinking about himself as a part of this whole. So, as Which part is of fine, right? Thinking about yourself is not inherently bad. Thinking about yourself with disregards to how it affects everybody else is bad. Right. But he's, he's probably thinking about himself, but he's also thinking about this whole multiverse now and what is going to happen. And he realizes that Kang's statue being there and Kang being in charge... Is not good. Not a good thing. So, Loki in the MCU starts way back at the beginning as Loki is about him. Sitting in the prison of Asgard, not really giving a hoot about what's going on outside. To, in another film, caring about his relationship with his brother Thor and the way that it's impacted things. So, having a relationship with a person. Mm -hmm. Now to a huge leap in the, in the television series... To not just caring about those around him. But about the greater good. But about the greater good. And that's why Loki doesn't suck. And that is why Loki doesn't suck.